what up it is april 26th 2022 it is a tuesday and i'm glad to be back i haven't been here for a while because i got what's called hand foot and mouth and public service announcement never forget those three words hand foot and mouth it is a viral disease it is awful absolutely awful so stay away from it anyway i'm back i'm feeling good and sony has put out a job description that they have created a game preservation team and this game preservation team which was found by video games chronicle through linkedin and all that um there's this person named garrett friendly who was an engineer for a different company, but he was hired by Sony to work on this quote-unquote preservation team. His quote says, Today is my first day as a senior build engineer for PlayStation, working as one of their initial hires for the newly created preservation team. So, basically, it sounds like what it says. They created a preservation team for their old games. We don't know what the scope of what this is. We don't know what the end result will be. But Sony has created this, which is good news because Sony has been notoriously eh, not so great on the idea of making their older games, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 2, and original PlayStation games, accessible for anybody. So this is, this is good news. Obviously, if you are aware, they upgraded the PlayStation Plus program to have three different tiers for the subscription service and the premium tier will have PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, and PlayStation 3 games, although the PlayStation 3 games will only be available through the cloud. So I like the fact that Sony is making a concerted effort to create a means to preserve their old games. I just hope that also includes us being able to play them when we please. Now, my question about this is, why has this been so difficult for anybody? I genuinely do not understand why Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony have had such a hard time with the idea of creating some sort of preservation for their old games. We've seen it with Nintendo. They've had the virtual console. They sell old games on the Nintendo Switch. And they allow you to play them through, you know, Switch Online and the expansion pack and all that. But it's only a certain amount of games. And I understand, in some ways, licensing issues come into play, things like that. So I get now all of the games we've ever seen exist will be playable at some point. But we're talking about the first party stuff. Nintendo directly owns. Sony directly owns. Microsoft directly owns. Microsoft has been good lately in terms of allowing us to being able to play our old games, particularly the ones that we own. Buying old games has been more difficult, but it's possible. Microsoft is probably right now the best at game preservation. PlayStation has now stepped up their stuff with the PlayStation Plus subscription tiers, and Nintendo is doing what they do and they have the largest back catalog, but yet they have the smallest catalog available to be able to play, which is really weird. And I wonder why this is the way it is. Because here's what I was thinking about as I read this news story. 
There are several people on the internet out there in the world who build emulators, right? These people put these emulators online. People retrieve the ROMs for their favorite games. And then they use those ROMs in accordance with the specific emulator, the proper emulator, and play games from the past on their computer. We've seen it with PlayStation games and, you know, Nintendo games, GameCube games, Game Boy Advance games, NES games, SNES games. There's almost an emulator for everything, you know, I guess except for the PlayStation 3 at this point because it's, it's a little harder to crack. But my point is people are able to reverse engineer old consoles and literally up, up, upload the code onto the internet and allow people to play older stuff. It's pretty cool. It's pretty dope. So why is it so hard for Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft to do something like that? Right? Why is it that Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft cannot upload their source code onto the internet that we can access not to pirate, but to be able to use so that we can play their old games? Does that not make sense? I feel like that's an easy thing to do, at least from a business perspective. Maybe not easy technologically, but business-wise, I feel like this is a missed opportunity. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, let's, let's take Nintendo. Nintendo sets up a website. Let's just call it Old School Nintendo. They set up OldSchoolNintendo.com, right? Sounds like a fan site, but whatever. Let's just roll with it. And on old school Nintendo, you can play old NES, SNES, I guess Sega Genesis games now. You know, maybe, maybe they get a deal with Sega to get that going. N64 games and GameCube games on the internet all through a subscription. Either a subscription or you can buy specific games that you want to play. And you can access them offline you know if if you're not on the on the website for example does that not sound like a decent idea maybe maybe you can download that you could buy the emulator download it and use it now yes i i I would agree with the idea that maybe it would make keeping that emulator from being shared across the internet for free more difficult. I I wouldn't know how to get around that sort of security thing. So I imagine maybe that's why this hasn't been done. But I feel like at least if you do it browser-based, maybe, there's there's the opportunity to do it to do it. We are playing, if you if you think about Stadia, we are playing these games through Stadia. Sometimes 4K 30, 4K 60, 1080p 60, like we have the ability to play some pretty beefy games through the, not through the emulator, but through the servers that Google provides so you could play all these games through the browser. That's, that's, That's the word I'm looking for, the browser. You could play through the browser. So Nintendo's got money. I would pay for a subscription service where Nintendo allows us to play their old games with their source code emulators and make those games work. 
unless they don't have the original source code anymore, unless they don't have the original source code for certain games anymore, okay, then I can see how that could be a problem. But otherwise, what is the issue with doing something like this? I don't get it. I feel like this, that's money in the bag. Am I, would you not pay for that? Or would you, even, even if it's not that idea, would you not pay for a way where you could play, even if it's on the Nintendo Switch? Actually, not even the Nintendo Switch. I think that's my point. It can't be console-based because consoles are going to change. They're going to update. They're going to do their thing. This is why backwards compatibility is difficult per console. So you decentralize it from any console. Don't put it specific to a console. Put it to a specific place where you can go and it could be updated. It could be changed. It could be revised. Whatever the case may be. You just, To me, you just put it on the internet as a website where a place you can go and you can subscribe and you can play all the games you want on whatever emulator, you know, let's say one tier, you could play NES and Super NES. Another tier, you can play, you know, NES, Super NES, and N64. And another tier, you could play, you know, NES, Super NES, N64, and GameCube. I don't know. But I think you get the idea of what I'm saying. Is that not possible? Because if it is possible, I feel like that's what needs to be done. Perhaps pirating becomes an issue. But if we look at what's happening with Game Pass and the cloud service that goes along with Game Pass, we don't really have as much issue with pirating going. I haven't heard of it. But per game digitally, it's, it seems to be fine. So Sony could do something similar. Microsoft could also do something similar. Uh, Microsoft is already kind of on the way there. And yes, perhaps the infrastructure is huge to be able to make that work. And Microsoft has the money to be able to support that infrastructure. Maybe Nintendo can't. Maybe Sony can't yet. But man, I feel like that's the solution. Like stop trying to do it on the consoles and just do it on the internet. It's already happening with all these people who create these emulators on their own and upload it to the internet, let people download it, and you can play. We can talk, forget all the legality stuff about it. The fact that it's possible is what I'm talking about. And yet, Nintendo continues to do stuff like the expansion pack or limited amount of games on Nintendo Switch Online, you know, rotating games on Switch Online. It just doesn't make any sense. And the same thing with PlayStation. Like I get you guys are trying to monetize your stuff. You want to monetize your old classic. From a business perspective, I have no problem with that. But in the age of subscriptions, where yes, I would prefer to be able to own the emulator, own the games, or at least own the license. You know, but right now, to me, with the bigness <laughs> with these huge catalogs of games hundreds and hundreds of games particularly nintendo and sony man like paying per game that's a lot of games i'd be okay with paying for a subscription it'd be like it'd be like game pass it'd be like netflix here's just games you pay for the subscription service if it's tiered if it's you know, one flat rate, whatever the case may be, I feel like that 
is a viable solution. So, what do you think? Do you think that would be a viable solution? Do you think companies are overthinking, trying to milk us for some money over their classic games? How do you think game preservation should be handled? Let me know what you are thinking. I will have a link in the podcast show notes for this episode on a Twitter post you could post to and uh, say your thoughts there. All right, that's it for me. I'll talk to you later.